to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week we begin by venting about the news, we'll go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. And just a reminder, if you're enjoying us, to rate, review, subscribe, recommend us. It really helps other people discover us, um, and we always welcome feedback and communication on our social media, FWM Podcast on Twitter and Facebook, and Feminists Without Mystique on Instagram, and you can support us on Kofi, K-O-F-I. Oh, my God. <laughs> Today. Mm. Today, we are... We are just jumping right into our main topic because it's it's a topic that we've tried to avoid for a while. Not really tried to, just because neither of us. Yeah, I've just chosen to. We've chosen know? to. Yeah, we've kept, we don't. We've kept them peripheral in our lives. Yeah, we're talking about Joe Rogan today, mm. um, and it's really uh, <laughs> grating. It's been an unpleasant week of research because. I don't like the guy and I don't yeah. listen to him. <laughs> yeah, it's he's uh, he's the kind of person I feel like I know, like I know who he is in the friend group. I've <laughs> suffered through his presence in real life, you know, and I just don't want to choose to expose myself to him. And it's not mm-hmm. that I don't I think it's important to know what other people are saying outside of like your bubble and your viewpoints, but like I never really felt like I needed to know what Joe Rogan was saying. Certainly uh there would be headlines or like little, you know, articles and stuff about like this or that. And the things that I did see, I was just like, you (laughs) seem like an asshole. And, um, (laughs) but just like one of the ones who, Oh, what? I just, I just said something. I just said my, well, you know what, what, you know? Um, some people aren't going to like this, but I'm just going to say it. (laughs) Right. Some people aren't going to like this, but it's like, okay, well, why aren't they going to like it? Because it's wrong and it's mean and it's weird and it's stupid. Um, so yeah, the Joe Ro- the Joe Rogan experience is his podcast. His podcast and just on the opening line, you know, just it's not only that I don't like him; it's that I am monumentally bummed out that so many people do mm-hmm. like him. It's the worst part of all of it. The worst yeah. part of all of this. The reason we're talking about him is because it's the most popular podcast in the world. It has ranked as Spotify's most popular podcast globally for the last two years, reaching an estimated 11 million people per episode. Yuck. Yuck. And he ex- like signed an exclusive licensing deal with Spotify worth $100 million in 2020. So people who are like, why doesn't Spotify just take him down if he's causing all this hubbub? Well, he's the biggest fucking podcaster in the world. Some- mm-hmm. And he's not smart or like insightful or funny or anything. But yeah. he speaks to that like... A very specific type of, I mean, of, of all, I'm sure just with 11 million listeners, every single type of person is represented to some degree, but mm-hmm. his main audience seems to be like white <laughs> cis males. He's talked about how like white men are being un- unfairly targeted and soon white men won't be able to say anything at all. He says while having a hundred million dollar deal <laughs> with Spotify and the most listened to podcast in the world. It's like, how can you listen to him saying that and be like, yeah, we're under attack. Yeah. No. You're no. literal literally more people than any other but listen to him and he's mm-hmm. saying that people like him are not getting listened to. N- no. No. 
you're the most elevated and you're the highest compensated. And yeah, he speaks to a, a large group of disaffected white men, definitely is the largest population. I know that there are other groups, other demographics that listen to him. And I I even know that people who on podcasts that I listen to that are like very liberal, like the Slate Cultural Gab Fest talked mm-hmm. about him this week. They were like, he sometimes he he is very engaging. He he is funny. He mm-hmm. is smart in some ways. Like a smart, he's a smart person and that he's been able to monetize in the way that he has. Mm-hmm. And he is a curious person. So he he has an element, he is smart in some ways. He is he has curiosity that he has been able to monetize. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, I almost kind of feel like it's weaponizing, you know, a little. He has this persona that's like, I'm just asking questions, I'll sit down with anyone. Yeah. But as like um, I think Julia Turner on the Gabfest pointed out, she said that there's a patina of neutrality to what he's saying, but there's an underlying subject selection that is blinkered to some of his listeners. Like the invisible ideology is what's insidious, which I was just like, yes, mm-hmm. it's the invisible ideology. He says he's talking to everyone, but he he isn't. <laughs> no, and some of the people here he's talking to shouldn't have a platform and should not have that platform because it makes it seem as if two opinions are equivalent and they're just opinions when there's something that is like a known mistruth versus something that is like proven by science as much as it can be a truth and he's having the mistruth on there and presenting it as like "Mm, maybe this is right you know and that's the fucking problem it's it's the problem i did and you know i tried to listen to um the jordan peter peterson episode from a couple of weeks ago which would which i certainly felt like i was becoming dumber as that man was like talking about and basically trying to question um, climate change. He was like, climate, the word climate means everything. So what are you even measuring when you say climate, you're measuring everything and everything can't be measured after a week. I was like, I am not on, I am not high, you know, why, what the fuck is happening? And he, I listened to some of the Ted Nugent one I was listening and I just, Aside from the format, which makes it very hard to even engage as like, I don't like listening to long, long podcasts that are any, anyone talking. I don't really like, I mean, I like some of the armchair experts. What about our podcast? (laughs) (laughs) No, I can't, like, I I should clarify people talking for more than an hour, an hour and a half. Like I can't listen to the like three hours after two hours. I mean, no, it's just because a three hour conversation means you haven't edited it and it's mm-hmm. not, it's like, we're all supposed to be hanging on every giggle and like side thought that you have. And I don't, and I know that and it's kind of, it's a bummer to me that it's so interesting to people like, you know, Joe Rogan. And I guess that's part of the appeal is like, you are, these got these men are sitting across from each other for like, four to five hours and like whatever fucking shit they say it gets wild by like by the end they're just probably they've created this weird climate where um whatever they're saying is making sense to them and their listeners are like everyone's been primed for five hours to be like yeah like this makes sense to me it's just it's just not my bag (laughs) i just don't like it (laughs) and i don't want to listen to it (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to, except for this week and maybe in the future. Except for we this talk about week. him again, <laughs> but hopefully no. Not. I hope uh, not. We're gonna try to cover a lot. Yeah, like but this episode. He is, yeah, he is dangerous because it's like he is, like you said, it's like he has some curiosity, but mm-hmm. he just presents. Yeah, it's like he presents these things and is like, mm, 
well, maybe. And it's like, no, honey, you can do any – like, because there are certainly issues where there are two sides in discussion and, like, mm-hmm. you can have different opinions, certainly, obviously. But it's like, you know, looking up and being like, the sky has never been blue. Today We're going to talk about it on Joe Rogan's podcast. It's like, no, the sky has been blue. He's like, well, the sky has never been blue. Um, or, yeah. What is blue? What is when blue? When you think about the word blue. Yeah, and I'm like, well, maybe I should have reframed that as like the perception of blue. Either way, yeah. <laughs> you get you get the gist. Um, he's a very, very popular guy. Um, with a very, very popular, the most popular podcast. And what is he? And he used to, so he started as like just a comedian um and then like moved in the podcast space in 2009 um Mm -hmm. and he i think the big the big news items lately we'll get into um, the covid misinformation the slurs and then some more some more stuff that we unearthed yeah Um, misogyny misogyny and transphobia and stuff like that um but yeah first first and foremost i think we're going to talk about the covid misinformation disinformation um why that matters and we'll slide into the other the other topics also 70 episodes were just kind of removed mm-hmm. of the show and um at least last time i checked there was no explanation officially given um no they were just quietly removed. just kind of like sneakily removing 70 and people on reddit were saying oh they might have contained like slurs but there's no like we don't know exactly why but they they disappeared um, I wonder if you're putting a price tag of a hundred million on him and, and each episode, what exactly, what would 70 of those episodes like cost Spotify and, you know, mm-hmm. dollars, dollars and cents. Just wondering. Just what? Just, just asking questions. Just, you know, just asking questions. Hey, we're just here. <laughs> and that's the thing too. Like the, the danger of that is like Joe Rogan, is, is he a serial killer? I don't know. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm just asking questions. <laughs> anything could be true <laughs> so you can just say things and some ugh. anyway yeah so a yeah. lot of claims the one that spurred so there was this letter of more than 270 people mostly doctors healthcare professionals who signed a letter to spotify wanting covid misinformation to be addressed and it was um and that sort of happened after joe rogan uh, and they didn't say to even take him on they're just like can we address this mm-hmm. um that was after uh the the uh i don't even want to call him a virologist because it's like you're not right um the <laughs> this is the one that doesn't hasn't didn't have any clinic like it was never patient facing right this... i think robert malone mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. it's like mm, so he so this per, this robert malone was banned on twitter in december for violating the covid misinformation policies and then he appears on joe rogan's podcast after <laughs> after that after the banning of after the, just the to be Twitter banning yeah <laughs> so Joe Rogan was like you know what Twitter said that you don't know what you're saying and that it's wrong but I'm gonna just bring you on to my 11 million people an episode and see what you say just to engage you know yeah. to engage with a diverse you know yeah, diverse think, set of opinion I think there are a lot of people that think if you hear it on a podcast or a, a news show or something that has that much viewership it has to be vetted right mm-hmm no. Um, so basically, uh, Robert Malone was talking about how if you get vaccinated after having had COVID, you're at greater risk of harmful side effects. Um, long story short, that's not true at all. Um, mm-hmm. 
vax that uh, yeah the only thing that they had ever that they have found is that vaccine after effects of fatigue chills and headaches are more common those who have already had covid after receiving um the vaccine because basically because you're, you're you're mounting an immune response that we've already seen but these are just fatigue chills headaches mm-hmm. these are not harmful side effects these are what you expect your body and your immune system to be doing it's just saying you're having a robust response mm-hmm. right. um nothing nothing scary there um there have been a bunch of claims <clears throat> on on the podcast uh, about covid um that and this is one I've, I've you've probably heard and seen mm-hmm. this too um i imagine everyone has that the vaccine mm-hmm. can alter your genes yeah i mean yeah uh which how and joe said it's trick this is really gene therapy it's tricking your body into producing spike protein and making these antibodies for covid okay so gene therapy involves modifying a person's genes which these vaccines don't do they teach the cells how to recognize a a, a spike protein and fight against it none of them change your genetic material none of them change your dna they're just basically teaching your body what to do nothing's being altered right (laughs) It's almost like they're taking the term gene and the term mm-hmm. therapy and they're kind of like vaguely equating like, oh, because it's learning something new, like it's mm-hmm. therapy for your gene. I don't, yeah. You know, like. Yeah. They're just like saying things and it's like, no. Yeah. And um, oh, I should say where this is from, but I like the way that they wrote it. It was uh, the New York Times. Um, but basically a short description is that the vaccines harness mRNA, which is the type of molecule. If the DNA is the blueprint, RNA is the messenger, and they're carrying the instructions to your cell. With the COVID vaccine, the message to your cells is to turn the RNA into a piece of the virus's spike protein. That's what fires your immune system up to start producing antibodies. Um, and when the message is received, the RNA from the virus is broken down and disposed of. It doesn't interact with your genetic material. You can Google it and, and read about it at length. It's not a thing. It's so like widely out there. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of the more common ones, just anecdotally. Um, but there's no truth to it. And, you know, it's another one is ivermectin can cure COVID, um, which is not true. Any studies that have showed that the data had either been clearly manipulated um, or things had been cherry picked. And for instance, um, many of the countries which relied heavily on ivermectin, like Brazil and Peru, had some of the worst death tolls from the virus. And the big study that has been referenced is this meta-analysis reviewing smaller trials. And the main study it relied on had been withdrawn because of data issues. Um, And a third party group, like a watchdog group, said that removing the study from that analysis, that study that was kind of known to be bunk, reversed the conclusions. There are no... Was that the study out of Japan? Is that the... I think so. Yeah, that was like the, the big one that's always cited... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the actual, like the high quality studies have shown that there's little to no benefit. Um, and if people think that the, the reasons is so dangerous is if people think, Oh, there's this ivermectin here that's going to cure COVID and they're hearing vaccines are bad from people, then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, if vaccines are bad and there is a cure, I'm just going to wing it, you know? <laughs> right. No, 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 no. Um, and he shared Joe Rogan shared evidence supposed evidence about ivermectin as recently as this month i know because i saw something some study about ivermectin like making the rounds on twitter being like 
see, ivermectin is shown to cure like COVID. And I didn't click on it because uh, I, <laughs> you know, not really interested in that, uh, that discourse at this point. Um, yeah. So, and I mean, and I think maybe that also sums up a little bit of, of the, a lot of the Joe Rogan discourse. He'll have whole five hour conversations based on something like a headline that I am not deeming necessarily doesn't, it's, it's, it's below my line. It's below like what I'm considering reputable, reasonable, and like not, not even peer reviewed. Cause I'm not in academia. It's like, it's not like I'm looking for like, what is peer reviewed specifically in my expert opinion, but it is like, has this been something that's been corroborated by multiple reputable mm -hmm. news outlets? And I know that there are lots of problems with their, you know, mainstream outlets have made tons of gaffes along the way with COVID, but Oh, like generally there's a rigorous process for them trying to figure out what, you know, which studies make are, are truthful or, you know, there's at least them trying their best. Whereas a lot of the, the dialogue that happens on Joe Rogan is not necessarily people trying their best. It's irresponsible and it's from sort of like the corners of the dark web yeah. in a lot of ways. Like charlatans. One thing I think that got a lot of attention was talking about how, and it's something that not just he has said, but I've seen elsewhere as well. Is that for young people, the health risks from the vaccine are worse than from COVID. Again, right, right. Um, mm -hmm. No, and he spoke about my myocarditis specifically, which is like a heart muscle inflammation, which is a very, very rare side effect of vaccination that is significantly more common after a COVID infection than vaccination. Same with blood clots, same with all, like <clears throat> these things, when they do show up after vaccines, they're milder, they're shorter lasting than when they happen after COVID and they happen less often after vaccines. So yes, there is this grain of truth that there are these rare vaccine side effects, but saying that for young people, the health risks are greater from the vaccine than from COVID just encourages young people not to get vaccinated. And we see young people dying and getting seriously ill and becoming COVID long haulers. And we see young people passing it to family members who are vulnerable or who pass it to people in the communities who are vulnerable. You know, it's not just about, will you die if you get COVID? Because, um, mm -hmm. yeah, we have, you know, there are different, all things being the same, someone who's young is at less risk than someone who's older. Mm -hmm. Sure. But there are a lot of factors <laughs> going into yeah. that. And just because you don't die from it or end up in the ICU doesn't mean you're not going to have long-term side effects or you're not going to infect somebody who infects somebody who dies, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's a really dangerous one because it's kind of encouraging, encouraging people to just be like, mm you're better off, you know, scaring people into not getting the vaccine. You know, the people talk about right. this, this fear campaign, mm -hmm. um, encouraging people to get vaccinated. But I mean, I see the fear mongering I see is from Joe, these people, you yeah. know, who are saying the vaccine is going to change your DNA and it's going to, you know, make your heart inflamed and it's going to ruin your penis. And um, <laughs> none of these, none of these things uh, <laughs> have been, found to be true you know yeah or you know and certainly not um in greater numbers than um like you know with myocarditis and mm -hmm. some of these like they do ha it does happen and um myocarditis is uh more common in in actually in men ages like 18 to thir like 39 or something mm -hmm. and they uh, but it was, and it's more common with men in that age range who have had the two doses of Moderna, which I just happened to be looking up mm -hmm. for something else recently. So it was like, oh, okay. You know, but still it's, 
it's riskier to not get the COVID vaccine um, yeah. by like a long shot. And it does seem like, you know, and in some of these like conversations that Joe Rogan has had, and I forget, um, I was watching a clip of one where he was interviewing someone, I think from Australia, um, who was doing some light fact checking of Joe Rogan. And he, they, and Rogan was like, oh, I don't, I don't think that's true. And the guy was like, yeah, no, I, it's, I'm pretty sure it's true. Like, let's look it up. So they did look it up and, you know, Joe Rogan was sort of allowed himself to be fact-checked in real time, which, you know, is good and reasonable. And like, you know, I, I just, I think it's sort of like he, he, he's self-selecting his guests, Mm -hmm. you know, in a way that doesn't like, he doesn't mind being fact-checked in a, in a sort of a a light way, Mm -hmm. um, occasionally. Uh, and with COVID, what I've found really frustrating is that there are a lot of smart people who are injecting a lot of misinformation or bad faith um, arguments and dialogue into the conversation, whether it's Twitter or elsewhere. And unfortunately, and this is something we should probably talk about on a different episode, but there has been, there's hypocrisy, you know, democratic leaders not wearing masks when, you know, get continue to be photographed everywhere not wearing masks while, you know, kids have to wear masks in school. And there's just, and people are getting so fed up with their lives and masks that when they see anyone who is imposing a mask mandate, not wearing a mask when they should be, there is like an understandable like uproar (laughs) with Gavin Newsom and whatever. So I, so, Uh. so the, the, the environment that just like the, the, toxic cesspool of a, of a like country that we live in right now, especially when it comes to COVID is just, I mean, everyone is at each other's throats and people are, they're just going to believe whatever they want to believe. And like Joe Rogan is just feeding them more um, red meat for them to make decisions that are ultimately harmful to them and other people. Yeah. And it's like, what is your, the question I found myself asking myself <laughs> about Joe Rogan is like, what's your angle guy? Like he, I don't as much as I just honestly don't like him. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he's doing dangerous things. I don't think he's a malicious person. Mm-hmm. I think he went into this mate. And again, this is pure fucking speculation on my, my part. I think he went into this being like, Oh yeah, I do want to show both sides. Or I want to like, you know, have these conversations that other people don't have, but it's like, maybe other people aren't having them because it's like, you know, it's like back in the day, would you want to have like Charles Manson on your podcast? Talk about why he's, you know, his opinions. (laughs) Right. And yeah, it's a wave of the future, you know, like you don't, you have to vet these things. You can't just present things and like wipe your hands of them unless you are like if you have these people on and he challenged them Mm -hmm. you know and he brought up things that like reputable studies and we're like well what do you have to say about that that would be different because that's not giving like this like oh platform to them this is saying having conversation kind of rebuking it but he and it's like half the time it feels like he doesn't even know like or more than half the time he doesn't even know what he's having like that that the platform that he's giving to these people that he's giving people who are wrong a platform it feels like he just doesn't check right well and that's another frustrating thing when reading about him was he has said he tries to have it both ways Mm -hmm. like in a number of different ways but so he'll say 
I don't, I mean, I, I don't really vet my guests. I don't really, mm-hmm. I don't really prepare for these interviews. And then I was listening to an, like one of the random ones that I was just listening to. I think it was, uh, it must've been Jordan Peterson or someone recently. And he was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm reading these two books for uh, February in preparation for February interviews. And he's like, it's just one of them's heavy. It's about X, Y, and Z. And I was thinking like, so you do prep? So you do read the books or you do prep for these interviews or you don't, but I don't understand why you're trying to have it both ways. I mean, he also tries to be the everyman, but he has a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Pick pick (laughs) your lane. And the thing, if you have a million, a hundred million dollars, even if you're like, I don't want to hire a team of researchers and tell them to like feed it to you like you're a child, like figure it out, buddy. Um, (laughs) Like there have been a couple of times where I've seen him. Like I like kind of stand quote unquote stand up for the truth, but in like mm. a very wet <laughs> fart way. Like he had um, last month, I think maybe the month before, he had Peter McCullough on, who was talking about mass psychosis. There was also um, Robert Malone talking about mass formation hypnosis, which is a similar thing. Basically, mm. McCullough is saying that the pandemic was planned, that early treatments were deliberately suppressed um, to you know promote fear, isolation, hospitalization, and death. Again, it's like these are largely unfalsifiable claims. Like, oh, there's a conspiracy. It's like you can't really disprove a conspiracy, but where is any sort of evidence? Um, The same person said that a COVID vaccine trial in Australia turned people HIV positive, that the virus is not spread at all asymptomatically, which we know isn't true based on the data, all kinds of things. The one thing that Joe Rogan pushed back on um, that McCullough said um, was that you can't get the coronavirus twice and that a natural immunity was permanent and that the, the government had admitted this, but they're hiding it also, whatever. And then Rogan pushed back on that and he was like, no, I know people who have gotten multiple infections. But mm-hmm. they didn't like, they didn't spend Brave. time on it. Yeah, they didn't get into it. Like it wasn't like, wait, maybe let's examine the other things you said. Maybe those aren't true either. It's like, no, he was like, oh, no, actually, I've known people who have gotten infected more mm-hmm. than once and then the guy's like oh and it's like, all right let's move on to your other brilliant ideas <laughs> um so it's yeah, it was a very like casual moment you know yeah like, like okay disclaimer like this no it was just like oh this the one of the things you said i know for a fact to be false i'm going to bring that up the other things mm-hmm. i haven't looked into you know it's yeah <laughs> but it's a pandemic you have to you have to vet people and, and look into what they're saying and whether it's because it's not like yeah, it, it, we're, we're not like, it's not little tiny details here. Like it's huge things that there are studies to back up. There's no gray area. There's no question, which is rare. Right. Yet. <laughs> right. Yet here we are. With great pl- power and platform mm-hmm. comes great responsibility. You know, maybe yeah. you didn't ask for this many followers. You didn't, you never expected to be this successful. Um, bravo. Um, but like, <laughs> but here you are with millions and millions of followers, the most popular podcast in the world. Um, and like, unfortunately for you, that means that there's going to be a little bit more scrutiny, yeah. you know, because of the, you know, because the world, because people in this country too are like fighting really hard to try to progress. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're still trying to get to 
a place like in a post-Trump era, you know, where we're just like everyone is people's voices are people are just screaming at the top of their lungs to be heard. And Joe Rogan kind of like he you know, he kind of like how BMIs and and measurements and crayon colors, base colors, you know, were were modeled after like, you know, white and usually male, like um, that was like the kind of standard for every single thing that we, for we, the way that we measure and the way that we understand the world was like figuring out kind of what essentially like would let's measure it off of a Joe Rogan type person. You know, he is like the everyman person who has, has this platform. And I think it's because like, you know, I'm kind of like having trouble articulating in this moment, but it feels like it's because he really embraces, like, I am the everyman who is under attack right now. Mm-hmm. I am the status quo and I should still be the status quo. Stop making me feel bad for like, for being who I am. Stop making me feel like I need to apologize, you know, and, 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 you know, it, it does come back to that cliche, but true, like for people who, have um, privilege and power, equity feels like oppression. And I feel like he embodies that so much. And he speaks in his, in the, in his choice of guests and in his mm-hmm. very light fact checking of people. And, you know, he, he speaks to that disaffection um, very broadly. And I think it also, it appeals to a lot of women too. And they're like, so he, he has this huge, huge, huge audience. And criticism is fucking fair. Uh, You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. in any, in any moment it's fair, but especially for someone who has this platform, who's getting paid this handsomely um, for, he opens himself up. He is absolutely, it is criticism. And for people to decide, I don't want to be on the same platform as you. That is valid. And anyway, I'm jumping ahead to our free speech part. So I will dial it back, but, um, yeah, I, I just, um, it does come back to sort of a, <laughs> I was grumpy like all week about Joe Rogan and it like led to like bickering fights with my fiance and like, just, I really think that like he does, <laughs> I'm using the word trigger is so, you know, not necessarily accurate, but there is something about him um, that really, and, and having to being forced to kind of engage with him and his content and his persona that has really just like soured me this week. Yeah. He, to me, it's like, he represents that guy that like would dismiss the things I had to say very casually without realizing that like I had, you know, thoughts, feelings, and research behind it. You know, it's like, he's that guy who's just sort Mm -hmm. of like, I'm just here with, and my opinions are as important as yours, even though I haven't really, you know, done anything to deserve that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and also these are not my opinions. I'm throwing them. It's just like, he's just so, ooh, he's so fucking frustrating because he is yeah. so the opposite of what we need in the world right now. And he is the most popular in the world. Like, it's just like, you are the yeah. death of like <laughs> critical thinking and, uh, and what is good and yet here you are just like well i don't know you know maybe that is true all right moving on like no and no, what no. is really intellectually challenging like why you know he he runs so far away from like 
trying to be uncomfortable in like male privilege, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, because the men who really understand what, what their privilege mean, like they, you just know from the way that they conduct themselves and from the, what they say and how they say it um, and their awareness of themselves um, doesn't mean being like so ashamed, you know, of being a white man, no. like fuck you. No, it no, just means no one's asking for that. No one is asking for that. You, you do, and you I've little never butterfly. Seen it. I've never <laughs> seen. I've never seen the white man who was like, I am so ashamed. It's not like get out, Joe. That's not real. And he did say, like, if you in May, he saw that woke culture has been getting so out of hand that it'll, it'll eventually get to straight white men not being allowed to talk. So I was right. alluding to earlier, which is just If like, only. Am I right? <laughs> no, don't worry. Just We're kidding. <laughs> That's a joke, guys. We, I'm joking like Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah, we joke too. We got jokes, 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 jokes. We got jokes. <laughs> yeah. What's a joke? Vaccines. Hey. propaganda. Oh um, my god! Yeah, and also like the women who, God, it's, I feel like the women who like him like hate themselves. But that's like my kind of like Trump supporters, you know? Yeah, where it's like you have mm-hmm. some internalized misogyny that I need you to go ahead and deal with um, mm-hmm. before you, you know, you go out there and defend that. But yeah, so basically, all this COVID misinformation was like top headlines and different. Um, you know, artists that are hosted on Spotify, Neil Young, Johnny Mitchell, India RE, others um, were like, nah, pull me out. I don't want to be part of this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, India RE specifically said that, you know, Spotify is built on the back of the music streaming business and that it uses money to reward Rogan and she doesn't want to generate money that pays for for that specific um, podcaster, which is, uh, which is fair. And then he like came out with this like, half apology non-apology for the covid misinformation stuff saying um he was sorry for causing spotify trouble and that he's still like a neil young fan and he gets things wrong sometimes he'll try to provide more balance in the future if he pissed you off he's sorry um it's like you have a hundred million dollar deal why are you like i would get if he was like a teenager and like (laughs) It's his first like podcast episode and he's like, ah, oh, shoot, I got like some facts wrong. Sorry. You know, mm-hmm. but it's like, you're getting a hundred million dollars. You've been doing this for over 10 years. Um, uh, it's hard to throw you like the Benny of the doubt right now. Um, yeah. It's, and it's so, it's so pervasive. And so the, the outlandish nature of the things that his guests are saying and how far off from the truth they are. Yeah. You can't just be like, oopsies. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's not like you were like, oh, I, I mispronounced this name or I got one little detail wrong. I'm sorry. It's like, no, you're the whole, the meat and gravy of your podcast is this shit. And you're being like, maybe I'll try harder. Honey, where was this before? It doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel like there's any real remorse because how could it take you this long to get to this point? And maybe I'll see Joe Rogan come out and be like actually fair and balanced and do a 180 and we'll all be like, oh my God. But right um, unless that happens i don't know but we should dive into the uh the slurs yeah yeah that's uh the okay most, the most recent addition to the the big news with joe rogues yeah he uh he did apologize as he opposed did. to the non-pology which is a new word that i think has come up literally this week in a, in response to joe rogue describing his 
COVID non-pology, yeah. the racism um, he did address and he did apologize. Yeah. Now, it feels to me like there's two parts to this conversation, this racist, this fun racist conversation um, or like that he has apologized for. Um, the N-word that he has deployed many times and there was there's compilations on the internet that yeah i mean it, it, that is so wrong to me it's ob- it's so obvious and he says like that he realizes now that he should never have used the word and mm. um that's good i feel like he done in his apology i felt that he truly was ashamed of himself and yeah. realized that like there was no reason to use that word. Um, and you know, he, he, he was sorry. Yeah. The second part was in regards to a story that he told in 2013, oh, I believe. No. <laughs> yeah. Where he said he, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so awful to even recount the story. He was telling his friends that he was going to see planet of the apes and he, and he got in a cab and they said like, you know, you know, take us to this place. Is this a good area of town? Whatever. The cab driver took them to a theater and Joe Rogan said, I felt like we were in planet. It was planet of the apes in that theater. It was, I felt like I was in Africa. Um, and then like a couple of like literally 30 seconds later, he was like, yeah, sorry, that was racist. Um, so, and in his apology, he was like, I didn't mean to be racist, but it sure fucking sounds like it. So, you know, I would never call them, you know, and it was like, but you did know it was racist at the time you mm-hmm. acknowledged it. And then you laughed and it was supposed to be a punchline. Like, you know, it's just, I get that. It, I mean, I, honestly though, we're, st- we're talking about things like he, he started this podcast in 2009. I think this quote was from 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2009 and 2013, I was well aware that um, that was horrendously racist. Yeah, we knew um, one another. And I don't remember either yeah. of us casually <laughs> dropping those words. No, no. I mean, and we I... We were teens. We were teens. We were. We were little babies making, like, I'm sh- I mean, I know that I've made very ignorant remarks on a number of things, but I've never, uh, I've never dropped the n-word um no. nor would i nor would i ever and Same. i n- not when you're not even when we're singing beyonce and like you know it's just no, like we, nope not for us not for us no. um and it, it just it's viscerally like it is disgusting to me i get like a stomach ache when i hear white people use that word like the biden clip that was surfacing from 1985 where he was quoting a racist senator or he was quote and he was you know it was in a hearing but i was just first of all it just served for me to another i was like god damn this man has been like around for fucking ever for him to have been been here (laughs) yeah like he was quoting a racist senator and trying to make him sound bad by saying the words back to him Mm -hmm. i still think there is just no reason kind of like trevor noah said like you can just say N-word and absolutely everyone is clear on what you mean. Yeah. No one's like chicken nuggets. Like, no, yeah. we, we understand what what you're referring to at this point in time, you know. And it's not like it's way too reductive, I think, for people to be like, this is like 
intellectual censorship. It's like not, it's like Voldemort, like what we give power to a word we can't use. It's like, fuck off. This is, this is a specific word with a specific Mm -hmm. context in a specific, absolutely unreplicable context in American culture and history. And it is not taking anything away from you to just not say the word. By the way, I'm not saying the word shouldn't still be printed in books like Huck Finn, you know, whatever. I feel people, it's so funny how quickly people go straight to like, well, what about in Huckleberry Finn when you're being taught it? It's like, it can, you just don't say the word. You don't say the word. You it don't. still exists because it was a place in time. It was a book. You read the, you read it silently. You don't read the, you don't say it out loud. Yeah. Because we all know how to embrace nuance and sensitivity. How about that? How about that? And I don't want to hear about how you have a black friend who doesn't care if you say it. Right. Um, or if you have, which is always like a, just such a tired argument. Like, yeah. There might be one individual that you know in a specific community that has no mm-hmm. problem with, like the name of the Washington football team before they went to the commanders or with saying the n-word in a song or whatever but Mm -hmm. there are plenty of people who do have a problem with it and there are reasons very very valid reasons to have a problem with it so just don't say it because you could be hurting somebody and why 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 must you is it why is it funny joe rogan when you say that was racist but you're Mm -hmm. laughing like what's what is funny about it and one thing that he said in his apology about that um that i thought was actually like yeah, that's a good point. He said, whenever you're in a situation where you have to say, I'm not racist, you fucked up. And I've clearly fucked up. Yeah. If you have to go mm-hmm. out and be like, I'm not racist. You did mm. something that was bad <laughs> or said something that was bad. You know, it's like, he, that's the thing is he has this modicum of awareness, like mm-hmm. pops out here and there that makes him extra frustrating. It's like that curiosity you referred to where it's not like he's just like, doesn't understand anything and he's just (laughs) someone threw 100 million dollars at me and here i am i don't get it it's like no you have like you have enough you know there there are enough like things firing in your brain and your synapses like you understand what's going on Um, right so it's like he he tries to play both sides of it you know right i'm fair i'm just having all these opinions on and just like you know intellectual purity and then on the other hand being like i don't i didn't know oops Right, Joe, you know, um, and so yeah, he he did have what seemed like genuine apologies for mm-hmm. using the N word. Um, yeah, again, two thousand nine. I think we all knew it's not the not the thing to say. No, um, nope. but he um, in recent years he's said bad things too (laughs) 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 hasn't just been 2009 and also 2009 is not like oh ancient history dust off the old history books on that one i know we're not that old i mean we were um freshmen slash sophomores we were just starting to live together in new york yeah we Um, were babies so we weren't like literal babies no um in fact it feels like the n-word has been wrong um and offensive for since, quite some time since i was like conscious you know yeah like, since, yeah. I, since i had consciousness and knew what the word meant i was like i'm never gonna why would i yeah no um yeah. 
So we've talked about how he's cried about like white male victimhood and he's had all kinds of extreme right guests. Um, a lot of which had very public records of white nationalism and other kinds of bigotry. Um, and actually, if we could pause on that yes. for two seconds, he really did like the white national white nationalist. Um, he was very responsible for promoting Gavin McInnes, um, the creator of the Proud Boys. Um, and Gavin McInnes, like, you know, uh, Joe Rogan at, at some point said that he was generally a pretty funny guy, you know, like generally all these like positive things. Generally. And, um, yeah. Aside from that whole Proud Boy, whole fucking dangerous thing, because um, Proud Boys also, it bears repeating that they were a huge part of the January 6th riots um, at the Capitol. But Gavin McInnes also said that Joe Rogan, he was like, you wouldn't believe the impact. Like we grew so much, you know, after my appearance on Joe Rogan. Um, so yeah. he credits him with it. So it's just like, this is really real, like the impact and the, the reach that he gets when he platforms someone like, like, um, Gavin McInnes, uh, it, it is real. Yeah, with um, 11 million, or I guess every, most people have two ears, like 22 million <laughs> ears listening. Yeah, <laughs> per month, right? Like, yeah, yeah, like imagine if he actually had, I haven't been able to find like a lot of like liberals on his podcast talking mm-hmm. about why, you know, like even like, like a universal basic income. Because I know Andrew Yang like defended him um, yeah, and then Andrew went Yang. back on his defense of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't, and I think he, he'd been on the show, but I don't see a lot of, um, it's, it's not one. It's like, there aren't the things that he's promoting from the right. Aren't like the old ideas of fiscal conservative, you know, mm-hmm. um, which I would still argue are, you know, regressive and racist and bad, but it's a, con- it's a conversation you can have with a straight face. Right. You know, it's like, no, but he right. has these people on. <laughs> like the proud boys founder and like people who are like mm, covid mm. yeah you don't need a vaccine you just need to be youthful in spirit and take some ivermectin and you'll be good as new um yeah no i'm not not a, a super fair and balanced platform i would i would argue um, and, you know, he it's kind of like in terms of being fair and balanced, because he I'm sure I know he said so many times, like all of anyone on all of anyone. It's like, I understand. That. Us. <laughs> <laughs> I challenge you. <laughs> um, but he the people that he might he might say, like, well, I asked Anthony Fauci if he wanted to be on the and he said no. It's like or I asked like a reputable virologist and they said no. And it's like you should ask yourself why they're saying no. You know, why they don't want to engage on your platform, because there is a certain level of of discourse that is um, irresponsible and they know that you platform very irresponsible people. So they don't want to go on your show or someone like I'm assuming AOC. I bet he's like I bet he said before, like AOC can come on anytime. And she's like, but I don't want to, you know, Mm -hmm. because I don't want to be somewhere. I don't want to be on the same platform as someone who interviews um, Jordan Peterson and, and Gavin McInnes. I just yeah. don't. And that's my, don't that's my prerogative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to give you more, you know, maybe if you stop, give it a year or two of you just, you know, but maybe not. Anyway, um, I just, that gets me because it does feel like it's a vicious cycle where he's like, well, the people that won't engage with me are the um, people who are intellectually inferior or dishonest. And it's like, no, they have every right to say, this is not a platform I, I want to participate 
with. Yeah, because you've created this environment. And I would also venture a guess that he, if you look at the numbers and the breakdown of who he's reached out to, I would imagine it has been less, you know, left-leaning or progressive individuals that he has reached out to. He probably has like a handful. He's like, I tried this and no. Because it's like, it's this weird self-fulfilling uh, right but we both volunteer to go on and we do um <laughs> you know it would be a great conversation um it would be it would be, it would be you know <laughs> that's the thing, is it would just take like a human being to talk to him and be like hey xyz yeah what yeah you, mm, this is what's this is what your guest said this is what is known to be true how do you reconcile that in your mind why and do I, you do this yeah I would really, and this gets to maybe our next like category. Um, if we're ready, are we ready She's to jump? Ready. To- yeah. Okay. So, the misogyny um, is actually the the number one reason why I I preview like before COVID didn't like Joe Rogan because I had seen the clip that's been circulating a lot now. Um, it occasionally makes its rounds, but it was from I believe 2011. Um, and it's Rogan and Joey Diaz, this other comedian, um, and a third guy. I don't know who. Not Che Diaz. No, no, no relationship. <laughs> and just like that, people were confused. <laughs> and just like that. Worse than Che Diaz, it sounds. Um, definitely. So Joey Diaz um, was telling jokes about basically how he forced women to give him blowjobs. And then he would give them space space at... Um, the comedy club that he ah. worked at. LOL. So funny. Um, but the way that he said it was so repulsive and he was saying it to this uproarious laughter from Joe Rogan, which was, it's a kind of like to quote the queen um, indelible in the hippocampus was the laughter. I, you know, I, I, I cannot get that clip and that laughter out of my head. I know that that I don't think that he has changed like fundamentally in that way um, since 2011. I think that there's like, I think he, he knows that that was actually, he doesn't know because Joey Diaz um, in 2020, that clip was circulating and he, um, he tweeted um, a link saying like uh, calling people who, who he didn't walk it back. Joey Diaz. He said, um, if you, um, uh, oh, I could quote the whole thing, but I won't. I just was reading my notes. It's like, oh, God. Um, he said, uh, just he called people cocksuckers. Oh, yeah. He said, um, if that video hurt your feelings, watch this cock sniffers. <laughs> That's Joey Diaz Sniffer. in 2020. And then he linked to a video titled Joey Diaz Slip, um, Sleeps with One-Legged Woman. And then Joe Rogan retweeted this defense. Um, retweeted Joey Diaz's tweet. So, and then they just both haven't made any other statements about those like repulsive comments. And actually, you know what? <laughs> I am going to read the quote a little bit because I feel like it's important actually, because it's so disgusting. And I, I you know, it's just so hard. He was like, so Joey Diaz is talking. He says, you think I'm fucking kidding you? Fuck yeah. You got to suck my dick to get up in the belly room. I'm making a call for you. That's a fucking gateway for coming into Hollywood. Everyone knows that. Um, I had this blonde open mic chick just take me up to the belly room and suck my dick and then go on her set. She was tremendous. She finally freaked out. When she got to Hollywood, bro, she was beautiful. But when she left, she had dirty fucking 
her nails were dirty. And then she wrote me a letter to the comedy store. You cocksucker broke me. And then they were all laughing so much. It was so funny. Um, I, I lead with that because uh, it is something that like I feel like I and every single person who dislikes Joe Rogan and chooses not to listen to him, we have every right based on that clip to just say, fuck you. I don't want to give you the time of day. I don't want to hear your voice or your opinion on COVID vaccines or your opinion on woke culture. I don't need that in my life. I don't need your brain asking questions. I don't want to hear your questions or the world framed around you and your Joe Rogan experience. That's just not what I want. And I get to choose to not engage with you. (laughs) And like, God damn it, you know? So that's, that is the opening of like the misogyny um, for me. Yas queen. Yeah. Over over the years, many misogynistic (laughs) things have been said. Um, Yeah. Throw in again a few from within the last year, max year and a half. Angelina Jolie probably has crazy pussy. Jeff Bezos' girlfriend Lauren Sanchez is an alpha predator female whose puss puss is probably incredible. Um, you know, um, among other among other mm. things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also my husband was talking. My husband's into fitness lately, and there's this like fitness vlogger Greg Doucette, um, who's God. Uh, I'm not I'm not a huge fan but he was um <laughs> he was like calling out uh Joe Rogan I guess um and he's like this he's this guy who's like he was talking shit about Lizzo at one point and I was like mm, not gonna listen oh. to you sir no um, and just generally being shitty but it's like if that guy is calling <laughs> you out <laughs> for how you're speaking about things I wonder mm, maybe, mm. maybe you're the problem um <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's also like imitated um, Chinese people in offensive ways. He's uh, referred to, he's spoken about transgender people in such a way where he's like, well, yeah, some people are trans. Like, that's been a thing forever. Um, it's like, okay, that's actually a lot for someone on the right to admit. Mm-hmm. Very, very low bar. But then he goes on to say that, like, some people are pretend to be trans for attention basically that that's a huge yeah. part of it as if we don't know how um how much higher risk people who are trans are for you know violent crimes and all all sorts of you know um all sorts of things like that so it, it's not something that you do for like fun to stand right. out it's like no with it comes a lot of a lot of hardships and a lot of people being shitty to you and um, and whatnot. So that's a, like another thing he just like threw out there at one point. It's like mm, just for attention. Some people do it legit, but some people just for attention, you know? Right. Right. No. Mm-mm. No. And again, like that's coming from your Joe Rogan experience, which, by the way, not the experience of anyone in the trans community. <laughs> like, like yeah. you know, your experience is like the most basic ass experience of like white men, white male mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I could give you more credit and say you're, you know, you are, he, he is interesting in certain, he has an engaging presence on like, you know, on the podcast sometimes. I mean, mm-hmm. but goddamn, like so often he lets his guests just ramble on and on. And I feel my brain like sliding into my feet, you know, it's just sort of like cut it off. I mean, how self-indulgent. I mean, no, none of these men are, all these men who, cry and whine about being silenced and wokeism mm-hmm. and cancel culture it's like 
I'm sorry, but Joe Rogan just gave you like five hours to talk about what climate is. Climate is everything. Like, wow. You got a literally, (laughs) right. You got a huge platform unedited. Like you're fine. (sighs) Absolutely. Is there anything else you want to say about that before we dive into censorship? Oh, no, I think we can jump in. Let's jump in. (laughs) Yeah, so the big question is, uh, when and why do we censor people and producers of content? Um, I mean, Spotify already had a policy against, um, let me look up their exact verbiage, um, to, let's see. Don't want to. Oh, yeah. So it bans dangerous, false, deceptive, or misleading content about COVID-19 that may cause offline harm and or pose a direct threat to public health. And that was before mm-hmm. um, before the airing of, you know, the most recent episode. It's not like a brand new policy. They did add, like, disclaimers to some of those episodes mm-hmm. about it. Um, but if they have a policy against it, they haven't actually acted on it with him in... <laughs> in all of the episodes, but what is the line, you know, in terms of censorship? When are you being irresponsible and, and, and getting in the way of free speech? And when is it appropriate? Because otherwise you are doing like a disservice and a potential public health, um, you know, creating a public health danger by not doing so. And, you know, like for me, it's like, if I look at something like, well, what are the stakes here? Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about hate speech and the stakes there, and when I think about things like this, it's the stakes are public health. And if you're in a pandemic and you're allowing, if you're a platform and you're allowing things that are again, that are known to be wildly false, mm-hmm. not things that are contested. And of course, like if things are contested, let's have conversations and debates. But mm-hmm. if, there, if we've got all this peer reviewed research, we have all this information. It's a glo- it's it's a pandemic. Things are spreading around. Um, mm-hmm. At that point, I feel like, as a government, I mean, you and I back in the we always were. All, I was always a little more uh, <laughs> down on the free speech than you were. Yeah, um, but I mean, I'm I'm pro free speech. Don't get it twisted. But like, yeah, I I've just always been, eh, it feels like certain things can take it to a level where someone's life's at risk. But at that point, it's not free speech anymore because your freedom is infringed upon when your life is put at risk because of something someone else does, right? Right. And I feel like, I don't feel like, I know that people like Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan, I'm 100% positive Joe Rogan is at least partially responsible for certain people's deaths because if people are listening to him as a news source, they're receiving mm-hmm. information from people he he says our scientists mm-hmm. um, on a platform like Spotify that people trust because it's a large global platform, you know, they, they make certain decisions. They decide not to get vaccinated um, because they think they're getting good information. Then they get really sick and they die. You've heard, we've heard these stories time and time again. We haven't heard them with Joe Rogan's name attached necessarily, but where are they getting this information? Right. Whether it's from his podcast or not, it's, I would not be shocked if it's from similar sources. Um, So I think when you have somebody out there 
saying things that are known to be untrue in a way that caused mass human hardship and death. Mm -hmm. Then we're looking at the, you know, the ability, I think, for a business to make a choice. Yeah. To to censor or to remove episodes or to I mean honestly a lot of people were really pissed that they didn't take them off and they just did the, like the disclaimer I I'm I would ra- yeah it's like yeah it'd be great to take Joe Rogan off and there's but there's like an offer from the super ultra right wing media for a hundred million dollars for him to join them and then it would just get worse you know right it's like right. if you're gonna be here and you've got you're gonna have this audience of 11 million people an episode which is a bonkers number right then at the very least <laughs> put a disclaimer on episodes mm-hmm. that you have to see and read and listen to before the episode that speaks to the shortcomings of the guest at the very fucking least and i'm i'm fine with that if that's all that happens a lot of people right. are really pissed about that I'd rather yeah. that than than nothing. Um, but totally. yeah, he's not. He wouldn't be a victim of cancel culture. It's it's a matter of just the only argument I can see against it is like, well, adult human beings can make up their own minds. Yeah, but, right. But if you're <laughs> if you're presenting yourself as a news source and you're giving information that is known to be false, right? Then doesn't that kind of lie with you? I think it does. Um, but yeah, for me, the stakes are public health and human being, you know, humans, human lives. Yeah. Um, I really, really struggle with this. I struggle with the free speech question here um, and broadly, like where we draw the line. Um, I because when I start to think about who gets to draw that line and where and why and for what reasons and for how long it gets, it feels like a slippery slope that makes me very uncomfortable um, broadly. But that also feels like sitting in an intellectual ivory tower type argument a little bit because there are real things going on and um, real harm happening, especially in a pandemic, but also um, with in the wake of Trump and kind of the way that that's exposed, like this raw nerve of like just toxic hate and there's the rise of hate groups and white nationalist groups and um, Nazis are back in like a force that is really, I mean, honestly, so profoundly upsetting. And, you know, there was a moment where I I think there's a Supreme Court case that's like from maybe the 70s, because there was a lot of free speech, free expression cases in that time. And one of them was like Nazis were holding a rally where they were just walking down the street, kind of like Charlottesville. And it made its way to the Supreme Court. I think it was like Brandenburg v. Ohio or something this is all from my moot court. There's a few cases that I just feel like the kind of figments still stay in my mind. And the Supreme Court ruled that they had a right to free expression and and assembly and like to march through the streets if it was peaceable. And like at that time, I think in college or in high school, while I found it really upsetting, I also understood at least like I understood, but I think I understood because the way I understood the reality of the world was like Nazism is something that is like in the past broadly, mostly. And there are small groups of ass backwards people who are always going to be hateful. And um, perhaps it makes more sense to allow them to have their small little like groups. And as long as they aren't violent, it's better broadly for society to let them speak 
and let the marketplace of ideas sort it out because we have progressed. And it really makes me like, I, I really, it makes me just like very, very sad that we haven't, you know, and yeah. that I, I do feel differently now. I mean, I feel certainly that I feel differently about that case or, you know, again, like I haven't bothered to look it up, but I feel differently about that case or what I remember of that case. And I feel differently about people having a right to have like a swastika and just like march or be in Orlando in the middle of the day, not even like hiding their faces, you know? I mean, what does that say about where we're at that they feel like that there are people who feel bold enough to just be like, this is my name and I'm standing here professing yep. that I'm a Nazi. Like, Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, and I, I think that there's a way to construe the First Amendment where we have put restrictions on free speech for things like clear and present danger. I feel that there's a very persuasive argument that now if you're if you're a Nazi standing on the street corner in Orlando, like you're, that's a clear and present danger because that ideology is saying that other people don't deserve to live. Um, and that is in itself um, a clear and present danger. Now, I, I think that there's should be relatively maybe a certain bar or like a strict understanding of what certain hate groups, I mean, anything that's classified as a hate group, but like, let's be like making sure we're, being careful about this because it does I feel like it's a slippery slope but yeah I, I I really I'm just like anyway that's what I think broadly about um I've been thinking a lot about the Nazis in relation to Joe Rogan actually just because you know he's on a platform where he's getting paid so it's totally different you know in terms of like he Spotify is giving him the money in the mic um and he can take like I do believe that Joe Rogan has the right to have a podcast and say what he wants to say generally. And we all get to be like, we all get to criticize him. We get to not listen. And that's part of, that's, that's what's, that's another great thing about the country. Um, but I like, I guess I felt really let down by, uh, the marketplace of ideas and by the, um, the ideals of, um, free speech and free expression. Um, I still, I still really desperately wish we could have close to absolute free speech because that feels to me viscerally the best. Like it feels the most fair and comfortable and like, and progressive actually. But we are just like, damn, we are not there. No, like, we're, we're <laughs> infested with Nazis. So I just, and, and, and yeah, and these hate groups are growing despite the fact that you can have more access to real information because fake news and, and lies and rumors travel faster, eight times faster or something. It's like, um, then the truth, um, online, we just, it's like, we're becoming, um, a dumber, more siloed, more hateful society generally. And I, I, I despair, (laughs) Um, and so it's from that place of despair, uh, that I feel like I have to come up with a slightly different standard for free speech. Yeah. To the where, where we're living and when girl. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. Anything else yeah. you'd like to throw out there about Jojo? 
Oh, just one more thing. And it's actually just based on something that I heard on the Slate Culture Gab Fest. But um, I think it was Dana Stevens was talking about Joe Rogan and, and the situation. And she brought up an interesting point about like capitalism and commodification and saying basically that I'm going to paraphrase badly, but um, that the anger and the kind of like the call for Joe Rogan to be deplatformed on Spotify is partially arising out of people's um, people feeling disenfranchised in actual democracy. Yeah. Um, I think people like she was like, it's just that people feel like their vote really doesn't really count. And so that's why people flock to Twitter to like drag people down because and the only the only power that they can, they have is with their their dollars. And so and and by trying to call for people to be taken down for saying things that they feel is unfair or dangerous. Um, so that was just another perspective that I thought was interesting that like it's another way in which when you feel like you don't have power like in, in a democracy, you know, the vengeance comes out in other ways or the energy and the, um, is just displaced in, in this way. Um, so it's just an interesting, like last little nugget to leave you with. <laughs> Wonderful nugget. <sighs> All right. Well, and now for, we see you. All right. Uh, so representative Joyce Beatty, a Democrat who represents Ohio in the third district, um, said via Twitter 2022. Wow. Mm, wow. That uh, on her way to the house floor, representative Hal Rogers from Kentucky, a Republican poked her back and told her to kiss her, a- kiss his ass when she asked him to put on a mask. Oh, um, delightful. Yeah. So she was saying they were about to board a train um, in the Capitol building to the house floor, like a very packed train. Um, and she said she respectfully asked her colleague to put on a mask while boarding the train. Um, and you know, when she asked him not to touch me, he responded and kissed my ass. So a a few, a few thoughts here. One, it's like, I I feel like a lot of the no mask people have adopted this, like my body, my choice. Um, but if you're going to be in, which I mean, a million problems there, but if you're going to be in back to back quarters on a train, um, it's a bit, other people's bodies, you know, you have to take into consideration mm. because your choice kind of involves everybody, you know, it's like their body, yeah. their choice involves what you're, what you're doing. Um, yeah. and, and the thing is like, he's probably one thing that I, I read this, I was like, he's probably going to use this for reelection um, to be like, I didn't back down when I was told to put a <laughs> mask so on by the liberal elite. No, Oof. I said, kiss my ass. And everyone, <laughs> yeah, here's all my money. Um, I hope that doesn't happen, but it's just, it's so politicized at this point in such a, I would say silly if it was silly, but it's so dangerous. Um, such a dangerous way. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you see things like this and it's like, well, these are the people in the house. Like this is a person who is, I am often baffled by some of the people we've, we have elected. Um, I have not voted for, or I have not lived in certain places, but the people that we have elected (laughs) um, to do what is best for us in this country and that they act like such, even if somehow you looked at all the research and were like, no masks are bad to, to tell your colleague to kiss your ass. Yeah. Wow. They felt safer with you wearing a mask. 
on your right. you're, you're not doing anything like strenuous even you're just gonna right. sit on a train like right no respect fuck you guy um yeah so we see you to representative hal rogers for not only refusing to wear a mask and practice what is known to be best public health um you know standards of practice but to poke her poke her in the back and tell her to kiss your ass gross oh my gosh stand up guy we see you wow we see you um okay my first we see you is um the recent case that um was handed down from the supreme court about the alabama redistricting specifically the concurrence by kavanaugh it's a little in the weeds but it just feels like pretty upsetting that this is just another way in which I think the court is just going to um, dismantle what's left of the Voting Rights Act. The, a lower court in Alabama had wanted, um, because there's 20, 27% of Alabama is um, are Black voters, and um, a lower court had said that they need to at least have two districts that where they basically have a chance of having a voice in electing someone that they want. I think that would be two districts out of 13. So instead of just one um, and the Supreme court basically said like, no, we're going to kind of like push this down the road. This was a five, four, um, five, four conservative case with um, chief justice, John Roberts joining the liberal side. It just doesn't bode well for voting rights. Generally it makes me kind of think that like what's left of the important 1964 law is going to, basically be abdoed like absolutely nothing or just like completely reversed um which is pretty surreal and depressing um but anyway so that would be a we see you to um the conservative court and specifically justice kavanaugh and his concurrence and my categories <laughs> visceral reaction your cat had to that yeah yeah Sweet. well we're both upset <laughs> Every, we're all upset baby. <laughs> um, all right, Officer Matt Stranger. So about a year ago, um, in Louisville, uh, Kentucky, Officer Matt Stranger was suspended um, for protesting outside a local Louisville abortion clinic while armed and in uniform. Um, that's not the problem. <laughs> the problem is with the suspension. That uh, is such a bummer. <laughs> yeah. So he's suspended for four months with pay as this a result of. Standing outside an abortion clinic, um, protesting abortion in a full cops unicorn, unicorn uniform, <laughs> and his car is there too, and he wow. has a gun. He's carrying just... a gun. It is an open carry state, but he's a cop with a, an outfit and a gun and a cop car at an abortion clinic protesting. Hmm. Um. So he was suspended for four months with pay. Wow. Really, way to get him, Louisville. Wow. Um, but that even with pay when people are suspended with pay i'm just like y'all just got a vacation i don't know yeah. what we're angry about um, right he Not sued yeah we're suspend me with pay health please <laughs> um he sued the city for violating his constitutional rights while off duty and discriminated against him for his pro-life views he said and now mm-hmm. the city is like you're right and they're giving him 75 grand on top of him being paid those four months this is unacceptable. <laughs> yeah. And, and like scaling, like looking around Louisville. So uh, in, in October, um, clinic escorts at that same clinic said police officers failed to respond to their multiple calls for help when the clinic was being inundated with protesters. 
Um, mm -hmm. And the PD in Louisville later cited staffing issues and other priorities that kept them from showing up. And then when cops had previously responded to calls from the clinic, volunteers said they were really slow to cite protesters who violated the city's noise ordinance and breached the buffer zone around the clinic. So there's like, there's one, there's this history around the specific area um, of police officers not actually responding to, to concerns there. And then you have mm -hmm. the specific police officer who was actively protesting there in uniform um, who's been given money for that. And when you look at like the, the larger national picture, um, there's been a rise in violence targeting abortion clinics. Um, a report from December of this past year, 2021, found that over the course of 2020, clinics had a 125% increase in assaults outside the clinics, as well as increases in vandalism, arson, and harassment. Um, and so we look at all these things and we see, I can't, I cannot imagine the fear I would feel going to get an abortion mm -hmm. and in the fucking protesters seeing a cop in full uniform with a gun. Yeah. Um, and the reason that he was suspended was because they don't allow protesting in uniform. <laughs> Probably because of things. Like, and the thing, he's not even not allowed to protest. Yeah. He could have gotten off work. He could have even showed up in his fucking police car and mm -hmm. changed his put on some khakis yeah. and you know it would have been it would have been fine but the thing is it's still fine it's still fine legally and that is what is scary to me the fact that we're like you know what you were you had a slap on the wrist for this and, yeah and, and for that slap on the wrist we owe you 75 grand right naughty us so upsetting it's 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 terrifying because it's like where does this lead there were existing existing policies procedures and laws that kept this man from doing that he mm -hmm. did it and still somehow came out with full salary and um additional money he was essentially yeah. paid uh, paid for it um so we we see you officer matt Tranker and whoever in the set like i don't want to we see you the whole city of louisville right right <laughs> so but they're you know but who, whoever in the Whoever was, uh, you know, at, at fault for this, because it is so really any kind, even if it was a protest I agreed with, having an mm -hmm. officer in uniform, I right. think is incredibly inappropriate. And if there is a legal precedent for this person to be getting money for this, then the law needs right. to be changed. It is not appropriate for somebody right. to basically be there saying, I have power over you and your entire life. And this is my opinion. And if you, you know, it, it's, it's threatening Right. Um, it's inappropriate. Um, and yeah, we see you. We see you. I totally agree. Oh gosh. Okay. My next one is, um, there's a situation unfolding at Harvard with a senior professor, senior faculty, Professor Komarov, who has been accused of um, sexual harassment um, by three different people, three different students. But the student's lawsuit is actually against Harvard specifically for basically protecting, slow rolling the investigation, protecting the professor, and like there being no consequences for the man. And then um, despite overwhelming evidence, and then also, and there's a specific uh, complaint has just been filed like in the last few hours. And it seems like academic Twitter is like ablaze. But um, one of the most horrific things that it, from, that people were pulling from the complaint the students um, filed was that Harvard obtained 
one of the student's notes from from therapy without her consent and then disclose them to the professor, Mm. which is like, what? I mean, it's just like wild that anyway, Harvard comes out looking really bad. um, But it's also an opportunity to point out that there have been other instances where Harvard has um, protected powerful faculty from accusations that have been credible and not only credible, but for instance, like someone um, posted in 2020 um, an email that they received from as a grad student from um, a professor who was chair of their department at the time. And the guy wrote, you know, this professor wrote an email where he was like, I would be, I would, I wonder if you would be interested in something more intimate. Um, You're probably very busy, much too busy for such things. Um, I hope this isn't shop- shocking or disturbing, but well, what if I got a hotel room and we got a bottle of wine and spent an afternoon in conversation and exploration? Anyway, it's like really icky and disgusting and um, surprising to me that, you know, I guess it shouldn't be, but just that like people in positions of power, people who are the chairs of their departments at places like fucking Harvard, like actually feel like they can send an email like that to a student. Um, just send an email with a trail like you know i mean it's already so hard to prove sexual harassment but people like are like no let me actually email you about it let me email you the harassment um but anyway so i'm also just so disturbed that i'm i'm wondering more details that i don't have at this point about how harvard would get a um a student's notes like a therapist's notes about a student and then why they would also then turn them over to that professor um yeah there's just so many like, how did this happen? <laughs> Questions that come up for me. Um, so yeah, I'm watching this, but it's just like an immediate we see you just based on the details. It's like that the TikTok sounds like, nope, nope, immediately no. Like I've seen what I've needed to see and no, uh, that's how I feel about this. So um, we see you to Harvard and this creepy Professor Komarov. Yeah, we see- and yeah, it's like when they send that email, you you know that somehow they're like a bliv. Yeah. They're in their own world. <laughs> uh, moving over to another surprising feature, the NFL. What? <laughs> I know. So I was oblivious to the fact that there's been this ongoing um, investigation, basically, um, of the NFL from the house due to the house, you know, United States house, <laughs> just like a house um, about some, they call it toxic workplace culture, a lot of sexual assault, a lot of sexual violence. So basically a congressional committee sent a letter to the NFL, to Roger Goodall demanding that they make the results of its investigation into um, toxic workplace culture public, um, which is precedent when you know, there was deflate gate, there was like a billion page, <laughs> report released from the nfl about it because people were upset about it mm-hmm. um so it's not like out of the blue like well why would the nfl ever do this they do do this uh but when it comes to sexual harassment and assault maybe not so much so in they get quiet yeah they're like, mm, you don't need to know this so last year dozens of women publicly and some privately came forward detailing their um, experiences working for the Washington Commanders, and if you're you're like who the fuck's that? It's and the Washington NFL team that had a really racist name before. They finally rebranded at quite a time uh, <laughs> to call themselves the Commanders. Um, yeah, 
uh, Handmaid's Tale. No, they took Tale. that rebrand and they they yeah, went a direction. Quite love it over. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they 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 veered a direction. Certainly without rebrand. I suppose they're quote technically moving in the right direction to quote our favorite friends at Peep Show. Yes, exactly. <laughs> technically, <laughs> but mm, somehow hits just as bad. Yeah. Um, so this has been like an ongoing thing. And this past Wednesday, three more anonymous former Washington football team employees came forward with new allegations. Um, on an episode of HBO's Real Sports podcast, a few of the the things that were stated were that players whipped out their dicks in the middle of the workplace and asked um, these staffers to engage in sex. Um, player told a woman she had DSL, dick sucking lips. An employee said she was chastised wow. for not having sex with a potential sponsor to close the deal. Um, Great. These all are very like very intense, awful things to do. There are. Litany of litany of them. This is barely scratching the surface. Um, a former sales employee who's spoken out previously, Nunez, said she was harassed by multiple executives when she was 23, including a former senior official who commented on her genes in an inappropriate way. Um, and a since fire director of personnel, Alex Santos. She had reached out to Santos as he was one of the only um, employees of Latino background as well as her. And he texted her things he would do to her. Um, another employee, Rachel Engelson, um, said in her testimony to Congress that working with the team was her first job. And she said, I experienced many work firsts there. First bonus, first promotion, first office potluck, first employee hire, first threat of physical violence by a supervisor, first hostile work environment, first public humiliation, first sexual assault. Wow. Um, and she added that the man who harassed her was old enough to be her father she was so afraid that she often hid from him at public events, positioning like coworkers between them. Mm. Um, and so that under Dan Snyder's leadership, women were used as sex objects and tools to increase sales rather than dignify human beings. Um, Melanie Coburn, a former cheerleader and marketing employee, um, so that Snyder once gathered the cheerleaders in the middle of the field for him and his buddies to observe and instructed them to turn slowly like quote, a collection of toys um she said that at least one of the cheerleaders began crying because she was so uncomfortable with what was happening um oh. Snyder responded with a statement about how he's acknowledged and apologized for misconduct that has taken place um that they revamped policies procedures and personnel real change has been made in the last 18 months past conduct was unacceptable and that any allegations personally against him are unequivocally wrong. Um, so he acknowledged that there was a problem, a huge problem and they've solved it. But the things about him, no, 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 that never no. happened. Um, mm. And so after this 18 month probe, the NFL had, had uh, given a $10 million fine to the Washington football team, which sounds good. So you think about how many billions of dollars <laughs> They make. Um, they did say that the practices were highly unprofessional with bullying, intimidation, and a lack of respect in the workplace generally and particularly for women. Um, mm -hmm. But again, despite releasing a 243 page report about Tom Frady's uh, deflate gate, they never released this report, which apparently consisted of at least 650,000 emails and hundreds of interviews. Um, and the you know, the oversight committee and, and the rest of us want more. 
um, not just from the Washington team, but there are there are some theories that maybe the NFL is hiding something. Wow. That maybe they've done an investigation and perhaps there may be widespread misogyny and sexual violence within the NFL. Wow. Who, I'm just knock me over with a feather. <laughs> honestly, who would have thought the organization that um you know finds its players more for like smoking weed than murdering their wives would have yeah. these these issues, you know, it's it's shocking. Truly um, shocking. Yeah, and the oversight committee, uh, the Dems are saying that the wrongdoers at the Washington Commanders were not let go. The abuse started from the top with Dan Snyder, and he is still in power. Um, and again, Dan Snyder is one who was telling them to turn around like toys, and came out and said, "We've already we've solved the problem. I didn't have anything to do with it." All right, oh bye. my god! Um, I hate to be in his inbox. I'm sure he's <sighs> sending emails. I'm sure he is. Um, so we see you to the NFL to Dan Snyder. Um, there are, yeah, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of reports on this just at the, at the Washington, um, football team. So. Wow. Yeah, 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 it would be great if the NFL would have like real, like did a, an actual full investigation, shared the results and made changes. But I have a feeling <laughs> that they're not sharing the results because they're really bad and they'd have to yeah. do something and they don't want to do anything. Right, so, but they renamed the team the Commanders, so ignore, <laughs> look away, it's fine. Oh ignore gosh. the assault. I know. I seem to remember that the NFL around the same time that Deflategate was like on the tip of everyone's tongues um, was the same time that they had only fined a player two game a two game suspension when he there was a they saw there was a video of him punching his wife in the elevator and dragging her unconscious body out of the elevator. And then that the video became public right around deflate gate when, and people were like, Hey, wait a second. Tom Brady was fined like four games and this guy was fine too. They were like, Oh, you're right. We'll find him two more games. (laughs) It was like, no, this person not like punched his wife and she was knocked out cold in the elevator. that's not just a little, yeah, that's, mm, mm. that wasn't like a push. That was, that was a cold clock, like, or whatever. Like, I mean, he, anyway, knocked her Ugh. out. Um, so you heard it here first. The NFL <laughs> is not our moral superior. <laughs> no, <laughs> they've made some problems, some mistakes. Well, we see you to that. Um, and then my last we see you is to, um, the, Instagram ads that are flooding my life right now Um, (laughs) because I don't know if I've actually said it on the pod, but um, I'm engaged. Um, (laughs) um, So yes, it's very exciting, Um, but it has made Instagram um, a hellacious place to exist. Um, And I might have to get rid of it because (laughs) some of it's funny, like, but very offensive, like um, the ads for, Honey Love, which is, of course, Spanx, so that you look less fat in your dress. You don't want to look fat. (laughs) Just to suck everything in. So I'm just kind of like, every single day I've been seeing Honey Love ads, and it really does something to, as if, as if, like, living in, like, the Joe Rogan universe this week wasn't bad enough, like, having those ads every four, you know, swipes on Instagram was, it's just like, it's those Spanx ads, and then... It's, um, of course, like bridal stuff that's sort of like, hey, were you considering this? Now think about how you either can't afford this or couldn't, wouldn't look good in this, like all the mm-hmm. time. 
Um, too bad your yeah. body's wrong and your wallet's too thin. Sleep. <laughs> exactly. You'll never be a beautiful bride. I know. I'm just like, this is depressing. And then on top of all that, to end it on like a funnier note, um, I I saw, you know, it was an advertisement for manly bands. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Which were, and like, it was, they looked stupid. All of them looked bad and awful. And um, the caption was like, <laughs> want a wedding band that doesn't suck <laughs> like, we can help you like you know and it was just like the whole of this is offensive and then the aesthetic is gross it was like brown with turquoise around it it was uh-uh. just awful I sent a screenshot to my uh, fiance and then instantly regretted it actually because I was worried for a second that he might think they were cool and I was just sort of like, and thankfully he did What didn't. if he did? And what if he was like, I love this. Thank you so much, honey. This is, I can't <laughs> wait. I'm like, oh no, it was a joke. It really was just a, just a. But he's got taste. Uh, he does have I mean, taste. Look at his I knew taste that. in bride. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Anyway, so we see you to just like all of these ads that are making Instagram. You see, my Instagram used to be just food. It was all sorts of different, like healthy or like not so healthy because like, you know how I be, but like it was all sorts of like, re- like different Sauces. recipes that I might. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Seasoning. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, yeah. Like make a rotisserie chicken this way. Ooh, Do it that way. Wow. Occasionally like Meghan Markle or Kate Middleton would show up at the Royals. Yeah, but anyway, not in like a bad way. Not like no, a, just yeah. like look at their style or look what mm-hmm. they're doing. Now I have absolutely none of that. And um, no. so now you are yeah. bride and you must behave accordingly <laughs> <are> bride <laughs> is this what bride would wear <laughs> no <laughs> back to the chambers bride <laughs> you've not earned your instagram scrolling <laughs> i know that is how it feels oh so i'm a damsel in distress on instagram so we see you to those ads man the ring i know we've talked about like charlie getting it's like well maybe i'll get a silicone ring for the gym that's it yeah well because i because lift like you get like these little calluses underneath your rings mm-hmm. and i started to have one and i was like oh shoot and then charlie's like yeah i've got and i looked at him and he's got like a bigger one oh. um i was like we could get silicone rings or suffer i don't know we'll yeah see. We'll see i mean I'm gonna, i know what i choose but um i sup i i you know, actually, Campbell was like, you know, I love, like, what you say about the silicone? Like, and I just had to shut it down instantly because I was sort of like, I can't even pretend to consider no. this, but I will allow it for the gym. For the, yeah, it's not yeah. for us. It's not an everyday ring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I did think it was sweet that, because I would have thought like, oh, it hurts to take it off at the gym. But he's like, no, I still need a ring for the gym. Like, oh, that's, Aww, that's cute that, is that cute. you want like a substitute yeah. to show that I am, you know, that you are my property husband. <laughs> but um, yeah, day to day, we're not, we're not vibing the silicone. No. Um, in terms of good things, uh, yeah, yeah. half see good thing based off of bad thing of how we produce fashion. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but a cool, a cool thing. Uh, there's proposed legislation in New York, um, from a couple of women. Ooh, that would make New York the first state in the country to hold fashion brands accountable um, for their roughly 2.1 billion metric tons of greenhouse gas emissions. 
Um, yeah. So according to researchers, uh, fashion brands currently are producing nearly twice the amount of clothing today as compared to 2000. And a lot of the waste is thrown in landfills, exported to developing countries, things like that. So um, it is a, it's an industry that needs to be, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep an eye, you know, you gotta, yeah. the world is going to explode uh, under, underneath all of our little feetsies if we don't do yeah. things. Um, so I liked to see that that was happening. So yay, I guess yeah. a little, a little more oversight potentially if it, again, it's not even going to come to a vote till the spring. So it might just be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. As, as someone who I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us are this way where um, we have anxiety around climate crisis and all of the accompanying things. And so whenever mm-hmm. I see any, any new thing coming out that potentially has a large impact or even any kind of impact, I get excited. Yes. Um, and I haven't seen anything about the fashion industry and they are, you know, responsible for a lot of waste. So I was, glad to see that yeah yes indeed yes yeah it's no gay penguins but (laughs) you know what it'll do sometimes Mm -hmm. we just got to go with the good gooder than bad (laughs) we're not always gonna have gay penguins at our disposal you know they they decide and they should but (laughs) (laughs) oh good well i think that I think that does it. I think that does it for us. Uh, Feminist Without Mystique is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcast. See you next week. Bye.